What's up guys? Good morning and welcome to the Gathering Church online today. If you're just tuning in and you're confused about what's going on, let me help you. We are uh, meeting online this morning for the message only. We're having some serious COVID flashbacks because Duke Power is doing some work over at T.C. Robertson High School. So they've cut the power uh, for today at the school so we couldn't meet there. So we're going to have the message right now, and I'm going, to t I'm going to finish up our series, Help Me Understand. And then at 11 a.m., guys, we are still gathering. We are still getting together, and we're going to have a great time. It's a beautiful day outside already. And so we're going to be at Fletcher Park, uh, Billmore Community Park, if you've never been. And it's a great park to check out if you've never been. Uh, just about six minutes south of where we meet at T.C. Robertson High School. And we're going to be out there just having a cookout. We're going to have hot dogs, uh, Cokes, and chips. That's it. It's just real simple. We planted this yesterday. Cut us some slack. We're going to have some games for you and a good time. So make sure you come and join us. Can't wait to see you there. Well, hey, we're finishing up our series on the parables today. Uh, and it's called Help Me Understand. Help Me Understand about the parables of Jesus. You know, Jesus often taught using these stories called parables that were meant to relate to people's everyday lives. He used situations that people might find themselves in uh, every day to help them understand better the kingdom of God. He wanted people to understand the kingdom of God because God wants to be known. He wants you to know how His kingdom works. He wants you to know what His heart is. He wants you to know what He thinks about you and how you can be close to Him and how you can be like Him. And so the whole purpose of the parables is to help us understand. But oftentimes the meanings can go over our heads. We can miss them. Even Jesus said that you'll be people who hear but don't understand and had to explain the parables to His disciples a lot. And so in this series our goal really is to look at some of these parables of Jesus and, and break down what the kingdom of God is like and uh, we're closing it up today, and I want to highlight three more parables, three final parables uh, that all hit similar audiences. Today, I've got an important message uh, for both people who follow Jesus or uh, who don't yet follow Jesus or who have a hesitation about following Jesus, and an important message for Christians. And I'll start with the message for Christians, and the message is this. Don't be a grumpy Christian. Don't be a grumpy Christian. Have you ever known a grumpy Christian? If they're in the room with you, point at them right now. No, don't do it. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I, I would go so far as to say that right now in the world we live in, Christians have a reputation for being grumpy. Ask somebody who works at a restaurant if they're excited when the church crowd shows up on Sunday or if they are dreading it. Ask a group of teenagers if they've felt loved and welcomed by Christians or if they felt judged and misunderstood. I even remember when we moved into our neighborhood in West Asheville, there was this sense of hesitation among my neighbors when they found out that I was a pastor. They were uncomfortable with it. How did that happen to us? Romans chapter 8 says it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. Jesus said, by your love, the world will know you are my disciples. So how did we become known by our grumpiness and our judgment instead? Well, the truth is that people have struggled with this for a long time. In Jesus' day, the religious leaders were called Pharisees, and they were known for being grumpy and prideful and for elevating themselves above the people around them. 
These are all things that Jesus stood profoundly against. So he tells a few different parables aimed at taking down that behavior in Christians. He did not want us to emulate the behavior of these religious leaders. Maybe you never intended to become a grumpy Christian, but you've been conditioned over time and you've lost sight of the grace that was given you. Or maybe it was grumpy Christians that made you feel like you don't belong in the first place, like you don't belong in church, uh, like you don't belong in a family of faith, like you don't belong as a child of God. Let's look at these three parables and the words of Jesus on the matter. And the the first point that I want you to see, and the first parable that we're going to do, I've titled this point after my very favorite Ice Cube song, Check Yourself Before You Wreck Yourself. we got to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. Jesus reminds us of this. Now that's a, that's a loose translation, but Jesus basically says, check yourself before you wreck yourself. That's the ICV, the ice cube version. Jesus says in a, a short parable on the Sermon on the Mount that you've likely heard before, he says this, Matthew chapter 7. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The principle is plain in this one, but it's still something a lot of us struggle with, especially over the last couple years. Worry about what you've got going on and not what someone else has got going on. Don't be quick to judge others when you've got plenty in your own life that needs your attention. For some of us, we struggle with self-esteem, we struggle with self-worth, and so in order to ease that pain, sometimes we're quick to point out the faults in others so that we feel better about ourselves. Maybe you just do it in your own mind silently or to your spouse and your close friends, or maybe you're so bold with it that you point it out to that person directly, either alone or even in front of people. Maybe that's what makes you feel better about yourself, to see the pain that you feel echoed in someone else's eyes. Or for others, maybe you've just overcome a lot. You've, you've put away addictions. You've put away habits and sins. And maybe you've dedicated your life to holiness and pursuing a life that honors God. And because you work so hard at it, you just can't handle it when others don't work hard at it. It gets under your skin when you see someone on the dream team that you know has made life choices that don't honor God. So you voice the way that it gets under your skin, either to that person or to others. Jesus tells us to spend less time worrying about the actions of others and more time worrying about ourselves. I don't think Jesus was saying that what's in your neighbor's eye is a speck and what's in your eye is a log because you're inherently more sinful than somebody else. I don't believe that was the point. I think he was communicating that what's going on in your life and in your heart is far more important to you than what's going on in somebody else's. That the, the weight of importance of what's going on in your own heart is like a log sticking out of your eye and worrying about somebody else is like worrying about a speck while you're walking around with a big old board knocking stuff over and whatnot. Jesus tells this beautiful story about Jesus in chapter 8. John tells a beautiful story about Jesus in chapter 8 of his gospel. A woman is caught in the act of adultery and the Pharisees 
bring her to Jesus to see what Jesus says should be done. They're hoping to catch Jesus breaking some of their laws here. They really just wanted to corner him so they could arrest him and remove him because they were threatened by him. And so they bring this woman to Jesus. The law says she should be stoned to death because she's been caught in the act of adultery. So they all pick up their stones to throw and ask Jesus what they should do. But instead, Jesus, instead of addressing them right away, gets down in the sand and he just whispers something to this woman. Even John couldn't hear it. He didn't even record it. He writes something directly to her. John didn't even record it because he couldn't read it. He spends personal time with her. He addresses her in her unique moment without addressing all the others alone. He's with her and then he tells that those accusers standing around her that whoever there is without sin can throw the first stone. Whoever is without sin can throw the first stone. The point he was making was clear. Nobody is without sin. Nobody is perfect. Nobody has gotten it right all the time. Nobody is always following the straight and narrow. We need to help our brothers and sisters in Christ find freedom. There's no doubt about that. But we've got to know the difference between leading somebody to finding freedom and judging somebody. Because judgment over somebody else is never your responsibility. That is God's responsibility and the Bible is crystal clear about it. It is not your role to judge someone else. It is your role to lean in and help them find freedom by offering vulnerability yourself. Not by standing on your high tower and looking down at them. Do you understand? We want to help people find freedom by showing them our own own wounds and how Jesus has healed them. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Number two, your heart matters. Your heart matters, meaning that your heart behind it is important. The next parable here is about the kind of heart and attitude that God is looking for in His kingdom. Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 9. I love how this one starts. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. I think it's wild that this statement, to some that were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, I can't believe that that still describes so many of us in the church today. 2,000 years later, we've seen the, the work and the ministry of Jesus. We've seen Him resurrected to new life, and we've seen His apostles do mighty wonders and all the church history in between. And yet still, we need a message that is written to some who were confident of their own righteousness and who looked down on everyone else. Verse 10, two men, Jesus is telling a parable. Two men went up to the te temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this here tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all that I get. God, I thank you that I'm not quite. Have you ever done this? Just listen. Nobody's, you're, you're by yourself watching this message, all right? Nobody's watching. Just be honest. Have you ever been in prayer and just thought to yourself, at least I'm not as bad as fill in the blank. This person, that person. I did a bad thing, but at least it wasn't this bad thing. I may have, I may have done this, but at least it wasn't that. This crazy story has a, a Pharisee, a religious leader, just thanking God, basically bragging to God, and then he points at a specific person just at the edge of the steps and says, at least I'm not that guy. And it says this in verse 13, but the tax collector 
stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He's looking down and he's hammering his chest and just begging God for mercy. Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. One of our core values here is that humility is our posture. We value that so much because Jesus values it so much. Uh, my favorite psalm is Psalm 51, and I just think it's because it's one of the most raw and pure uh, confessions in the Bible. It really is just, you get to see David's broken heart come through in this psalm. David was a great king and a, a good man, but David made a huge mistake, a few in his life, but this one stands out among the others. Uh, David cheated on his wife with somebody else's wife, and then he had that guy murdered. Pretty serious stuff, honestly. I mean, it's going to be a Netflix documentary at some point. Pretty big mistake. But Psalm 51 is his repentance when he finally surrenders and asks God for forgiveness. And in that psalm, he writes this, verse 16 and 17. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. And so my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. This is even more true in the time that we live in now. David wrote that before Jesus when uh, sacrifices and burnt offerings were still a part of how they worshiped God. But in the world that we live in now, God is not looking for you to make it right. He's not looking for you to check off a bunch of boxes, to give something up, to sacrifice things. What God is looking for from you is the condition of your heart. Is it a condition of repentance? Genuine turn towards Him. Following Jesus doesn't require you to check all the boxes and do everything right all the time. It requires you to humbly come before God with a genuine desire to change. It's good that the Pharisee in this story is following God's commandments. That's a good thing. and He's not hurting people. He's giving his 10%. All those things matter and they are important. But his heart behind it was wrong, which kind of disqualifies all the good things that he's done. His pride, his haughtiness, his pride negates the good of all the work that he was doing. Because we don't do these things to impress God. God is not impressed with your perfection. He's impressed by your humility, your honesty, and your genuine repentance. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks to the heart. It is your heart behind it that matters most. There is a warning that I want to give as I teach all this, this principle specifically, because you can hear this, and you can think, oh, I guess I can do whatever I want because I have the grace of God. And as long as my heart is good, then I can just live however I want and I'll get to heaven. And that's not exactly what the Bible teaches. Don't misunderstand the message of grace within the Bible for a message of exception. God still wants you to pursue holiness. He still wants you to, to pursue Him and to follow Him and to do it and to, to avoid sin and to follow His commandments and to give 10% and to live the way that He's called you to live just like this Pharisee was living. He just wants your heart to be right while you do it. He wants you to do it with humility and kindness towards others. In Romans chapter 6, Paul addresses this idea specifically. He says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. 
We are those who have died to sin. And so how can we live it in any longer just because grace is big and it covers all of your sins? Just because you don't have to meet a checklist in order to be in the presence of God because you have already been made clean by Jesus doesn't mean you don't pursue cleanliness. Just because you've been forgiven doesn't mean you don't pursue a better life. In the same way, he says, he says we're dead to sin. We don't live in sin. We don't choose to live in sin just because we have grace. He says in verse 11, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Don't offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but offer yourselves rather to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under the law, but you are under grace. Offer God your genuine heart desire to change. Work towards change. Step into the journey of others if you're invited and help lead them towards freedom, but do it with humility and kindness. Remember the tax collector, he beats his chest, he looks at the ground and he says, God, have mercy on me. That's the heart that the Father wants. He wants him to stop being a sinful tax collector, but he also wants his heart to be full of humility and repentance. Last thing, last thing today. It's never too late. And this is the message for the folks who are watching who are not yet Christians, who've been turned away by this kind of attitude, who've been turned away by grumpy Christians, judgmental Christians who have felt judged, who have felt, who have felt like they didn't fit in, like there wasn't a place for them in the kingdom of God. Here's the message that is for you today. It is never too late. God wants your heart. He doesn't want your perfection. He wants you. The other side of this message. Here we go. Uh, uh, let's step into the parable. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into the vineyard. Well, about nine o'clock, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, You also go in and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon, and about three in the afternoon, he did the same thing. Around five in the afternoon, he went out and found others still standing around and asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Well, because nobody hired us, they answered. And he said to them, You also can go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. Well, the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon at the end of the day came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden of work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them. I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money, or are you envious because I am generous? And so the last will be first, and the first will be last. It's a long parable, I know. Thanks for bearing with me. You're sitting here watching somebody read the Bible for a long time online. You might as well have, have, have logged on to your Bible. But listen, I've got something to share with you about this. This is important, okay? Uh, this idealism has seeped into our theology, uh, especially in modern times. And the world that we live in is obsessed with fairness. And it's important that you understand that God is not fair. 
God gets to decide what is and isn't fair. You don't. He's the creator of the universe. We are playing by his rule. He's, he's do not, he does not have to play by our rules. Because if God was fair, then we would be judged for our sins and we would not have the joy, the peace, and the salvation that we get to enjoy in this life. God is not fair. He is not fair, which means He does not reward you for what you've done good differently than somebody who comes in at the end of the day. The theme runs through all three of these stories, these parables. There's a grumpy religious person who judges others and wants to be fair and feels better because they compare themselves to somebody else and point out their faults and all that. And then there's the other person. In this story, it's workers coming in at the last moment, at the very end of the day. And Jesus' point was simple. It's never too late to follow Him and receive everything that comes with that. All of the blessings that you receive coming in at the end of the day are the same as what you can receive coming in at the beginning. Now there is a lot of freedom to find depending on how lately you join His kingdom. There, there, you may have all kinds of baggage and sin that you've got to get away from if you come in at the end of the day. But the reward is the same. The God is the same. The salvation is the same. The gifts that He has for you are the same. You've never made too many mistakes. You've never made too many mistakes to enter into the kingdom of God. You've never crossed a line that is too far to enter into the kingdom of God. You've never lost the purpose and the calling that He placed on your life, no matter how late in the day it is for you, and no matter where you've been. You are just, and you've got to hear this, you are just as special to Him today as you were the day you were born. Here at this church, we are committed to celebrating you no matter what part of the journey you joined us in. It's never too late. Some of us come to know Jesus as kids and praise God for such a blessing and a gift. And some of us come to know Jesus after a lifetime of things have separated us from God. But because of Jesus, we don't have to be separated any longer. So praise God, what a gift. The blessing is the same for both of us. The grace is the same for both of us. The hope for a future is the same for both of us. If you're watching and you are a Christian, grow your humility. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Humility is confident and kind. Humility is teachable. And humility is confident of others, considerate of others. If you're watching and you aren't a believer, the tax collector was justified before God. He looked down, he beat his breast, he asked for mercy, and Jesus said, this man is justified before God. And no matter how late in the day it is for you, it is never too late as long as you're breathing. And so if you're watching today, and you have, you have felt judged, you felt cast aside, you felt forgotten, you thought it was too late for you. It is not too late for you. You can enter into His kingdom right now. All you have to do is say a simple prayer. Would you, would you just, wherever you are with me, join me in prayer and enter into the presence of God today. Come in and receive your reward. Heavenly Father, we just give ourselves to you today, Lord. Forgive me for all of my sin. Forgive me for every mistake I've made. Forgive me for everything in my life that I've done apart from you. I believe in you. I acknowledge who you are, that you are the Son of God who has saved me. And I give all that I am to you from this day into every other day that follows. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now listen, I want you to come and join us at Billmore Community Park, Fletcher Park, uh, from to 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. for a cookout. Let's go get some hot dogs. Let's hang out together. We're going to have a great time. It's a beautiful day. We'll see you there.